that's the thing. We, we're in a very fortunate position in that there are so many different ways we can make our books visible these days. Um, some are difficult, some are easy, some are expensive, some aren't expensive. But the, the takeaway is, is just experiment. Um, some will work, and if, if they do, double down. And if they don't work, move on, try something else. Welcome back to The Author Biz, where we gather together each week to chat about the non-craft parts of your author business. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and this is episode number 58. We're closing in on the start of fall. I'm not sure what the weather's like where you're at, but uh, down here in Naples, Florida, it is midsummer still and will be for another month or so until we get the first break in the weather, which typically comes around the third week of October. I'm looking forward to it. It's raining every day still. It's in the 90s every day, and we have not seen temperature under 74 degrees for months now. So I'm looking forward to our fall, which starts a month later uh, than the fall that most of you will be experiencing. I've got an interesting show today. Let me ask you a question to get things started. When you think of using Facebook advertising effectively as an author, what's the first name that comes to mind? For many listeners, and many of the people who email me with guest suggestions, the name that comes to mind is Mark Dawson. Mark was a guest on the show a little over a year ago, and we talked about some of the creative and interesting things that he was doing with email list segmentation and some of the ways that he was using to launch his uh, new releases right to the top of category bestseller lists within Amazon. It was a pretty popular episode. But when the request to have Mark back on the show really started pouring in was after an article uh, that featured him in Forbes magazine five months ago that was titled, Amazon is paying this author $450,000 a year. It's a nice clickbait headline, but it worked. The article spread around on social media like wildfire, and the demand for Mark's time and expertise grew right along with it. But while Mark is indeed an expert when it comes to the effective use of Facebook ads for authors, he is first and foremost an author himself. He writes good books, and he writes a lot of them. And because of his email list, which has grown from a few thousand when we talked about a year ago to over 25,000 when we talked last week, when he launches his books, they do really well. Really well indeed. His latest book, Headhunters, the seventh in his John Milton series, landed at number 102 on the overall Amazon sales list the day after it was released. In this episode, we're going to get into some of the specifics of the launch plan Mark used for Headhunters, as well as his laser-like focus for building his email list. Then we'll get into some of the tactics he uses to build that list, which of course includes Facebook advertising. You'll hear Mark walk us through his process for creating Facebook ads with plenty of specifics that you can begin testing immediately. Before we get to the interview, let me ask you a quick favor. If you get some value from this episode, please let me know by leaving a comment in the show notes section of the AuthorBiz website, which is theauthorbiz.com. Podcasts are notoriously ineffective when it comes to generating website comments, and I'd like for us to try and turn that around if we can. So if you enjoyed the show, or if you have some questions for Mark, or even some suggestions for me to make the show better, pop by the website. It's theauthorbiz.com and let me know. Thanks so much for being here again this week. So Mark Dawson, 
welcome to the Author Biz. Hi, welcome. It's great to be back. It was about a year ago that you and I talked. It was a very popular episode, and in that past, in the past year, you mm-hmm. have sort of exploded onto the scene. You were fairly well known about a year ago. You're extremely well known now, and your name uh, is mentioned on this show quite a bit by by my <laughs> guest, uh, and always in in glowing terms. And when the Forbes article, I will link to the Forbes article mm. by the way, uh, came out about you in April, then everything just seemed to sort of blow up for you. What's what's the last year been like? Well, amazing. I mean, I can't remember if I'd. I don't think I'd left work the last time we we spoke. No, so, you were um, still working. Yeah. So I last year was incredible. So I started two. You know, I think 2014 started in January. Did was doing pretty well in terms of book sales, kind of making about what I was making in my day job. Um, and then as the year progressed, um, and I, I had a kind of a crazy year of productivity. I wrote six novels and two novellas over the course of the year. Each launch did better than the previous one. Um, I was kind of offered a good chance redundancy payment to leave a job, which I actually quite enjoyed. It wasn't the question of getting out of a job that I hated, um, but they gave me a little bit of money to kind of make a decision that I was going to make at some point anyway. So I, I left work in November, um, and I've been I've been working full, you know full time as as an author, and then latterly as a kind of a, a, a course provider um, on Facebook ads ever since. And it's just been incredible. I feel very very fortunate to be to be in the position that I'm in now. Well, congratulations to you because it, it's been phenomenal to watch the success that you've had in a very short period of time, and I know it's inspirational for others to see what you're doing. So that's that's why I bring that up. Now let's get into it with the the actual first <laughs> question of the interview, which is as as has become the norm here as an author entrepreneur. What's one thing that you do that has been the biggest contributor to the success of your author business so far? Uh, well, if we kind of take out of the equation, the obvious one, so write good books. Um, I mean, all of your listeners will, that's kind of taken as read. So let's assume that we've, we've got a good book to sell. I would say the biggest uh, factor has been a kind of a laser-like focus on um, developing a, a mailing list and, more importantly than that, uh, developing strong relationships with with people on my list. So not seeing them as customers, but seeing them as readers and then seeing them as hopefully as fans. And then you know, seeing some of them as friends um, and, and developing a, a strong relationship um, between me and them so that when I've got something ready to come out that you know they they're they're very keen to go and buy it. And that's that's been I mean, it's great fun. It's a lot of hard work. Uh, I answer every email that I get from readers. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll answer every Facebook comment, every, every Twitter comment. I'll do as much as I can. But I think that that's been the most important factor for for the, the big growth I had last year. You and I actually connected via your email list. I had been a subscriber, and when I started the Author Biz show, I just clicked reply on one of the email messages that you had sent out to your list, and uh, you got back to me very quickly, and that's how we wound up connecting, and uh, you know we've become friendly since then, and you've been on this show a couple of times. So what, what you're saying is absolutely true, and I, I just want to emphasize that. And it's easy these days to lose that laser-like focus, because there are a million things that we can focus on. There are a million things that 
there, there are all these things on social media that are happening right now today that we mm. need to address. Uh, should we be on this platform? Should we be on that platform? How do we do it all? Uh, yet you have retained a focus on what we on this show think is the most important part of, of an author's platform, and that's the mailing list. Yeah, I mean, that's I've seen, and the reason for that is I've seen the, the best return um, on the, the time that I invest in that is, is across all the platforms. It's mailing list, and the, the way I look at it is, um, Facebook is great. Um, we'll get onto that later. Twitter is great, um, but the kind of they're not going to give you the data of the people of your fans. That's that's you know, Facebook is not going to tell you the email address of the person who just signed up to your list. Your Facebook page is this. Um, in the same way that Amazon isn't going to give you the email addresses of your customers, which is incredibly valuable information. These are not just customers. They're people who have bought something from you. They could be a fan, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's much better for the kind of long term to uh, have that information yourself because the, 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 the alternative is kind of like digital sharecropping. So you're if you... If you're not focused on building your list, all of your customer information is held by Amazon. So what would you do if Amazon decided to, um, you know, in, in the kind of an absolute worst-case scenario, stop selling books? Uh, they're not going to give you the, the email addresses of the people who bought your previous books. Wouldn't it be better to have that yourself so that you can then send them to Apple, send them to Kobo, or, or even sell the books yourself directly? Um, it's just much more sensible to, do it, to, you know, to keep it yourself. And it's... That's obviously great advice, and it, it makes sense to me, probably makes sense to everyone listening. If we go back in time, even just a few years, and, and think about publishers, um, big publishers, small publishers, publishers in general, uh, they made a conscious decision not to create a one-to-one -one relationship with readers. They decided to outsource that to Barnes & Noble, to bookstores everywhere, and to Amazon. And over the course of the last couple of years, it's it's pretty obvious that that has not worked out well for them. And now <laughs> no, they're really. they're trying to come up with these ways to, you know, I'll, I'll read a, a big five published book and I'll see something at the end of the book like sign up for our ABC publishing company email list. It's like, why would I want to do that? That's that's crazy. But these are the kinds of things that they could have done. They, they had the opportunity to do these things five years ago, 10 years ago. And they didn't do it. It wasn't until the indie authors started doing this and proving that it worked that uh, they started waking up and going, oh, yeah, it makes sense that we should have some sort of relationship with the people who read our books. Yeah, indie authors are so far ahead of traditional uh, publishers. It's just not even true. So, you know, it's, it's no good having a join the... Um I can't think of a, of a decent publisher join the join the Penguin um, mailing list. That's that's no, no who's going to do that? It's much better to say um, join the uh, Lee Child yes mailing list, and and Lee will send you emails. It's, it's that's much more valuable to a reader than just a kind of a bland corporate website, you know, kind of a corporate email that says we've got a new book by Lee Child or we've got a new book by Vince Flynn or you know whatever. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's much better to develop a personal relationship kind of send emails that make readers think that actually you know you're a person just like them uh it's that's that's the that's the kind of the gold dust i think and they're getting there but they're so far behind we, we you know we've got like a five-year head start which is a good thing so oh, i'm happy about that yeah. yes uh let me play devil's advocate um mm -hmm. for a minute i i have a lot of listeners and a lot of people that i talk to um where i do everything in my power to encourage them to get that email list going and to spend more time on it. Maybe not the laser-like focus that you use, but at least spend some time on it. And the pushback that I get, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, so I'm just going to ask you to respond quickly 
to these comments that, that I've heard and I'm sure you've heard as well. Uh, one of them is, I don't want to bother people. I don't want mm-hmm. to send an email out and bother people. What do you say when you hear that? I hear that quite a lot too. And um, uh, Indie authors seem to be particularly prone to that kind of insecurity. And the way I'd address that is that these people have chosen to um, come onto your, your mailing list. It's not, you, you haven't forced them to join. They, they've indicated, they've self-selected, they want to be on your list and they want to hear from you. So, you know, don't get something to get over. Um, people aren't going to be upset with you for emailing. You know, as long as you don't do it too much, um, mm-hmm. don't do it every day or don't do it every week. Some people, you know, it depends on your audience, but I, I don't do it as much as that. But I don't bother about that. It doesn't bother me, worry me in the slightest. Another comment I hear is, oh, I don't want to put this on the front page of my website. I want to have my books on the front page of my website. How would you, how would you respond to that? Because your website is a great example of doing both. Yeah, you, you can do both. I mean, if you design things cleverly, you, you know, it's it's pretty... It's pretty easy to, to meet both of those objectives. But I used to, before I really got into this and started doing it properly, my my kind of uh, my email sign-up box was hidden right right down the bottom. So you had I've got like a one-page scrolling website. The ability to leave your email address was is quite difficult to find it on the site. So I, I basically redesigned it so that it was much much more prevalent. It's the first thing that you see when you come onto the site. Um, and you know, I give away free stuff, so readers join the list and they get four four free books from me. Um, and when, once they've done that, they've signed up. They're redirected back to the site, and they can, you know, do what they, do whatever they want. Uh, look at the other books, all the kind of good stuff. But the most important thing for me uh, is that I I give people the opportunity, and I, and I make it as easy as possible for them to sign up. And that, you know, it's converting much much better now. Going back in time a little while, you were one of the first authors to begin offering free books, and that was very effective for you in the beginning of building your email list. Is it still something that's extremely effective? Yeah, very, very effective. Um, So... I mean, I advocate it to to, to all all the people who are learning from me. Mm -hmm. And I started working with... I mean, I'm working with uh, Barbara Freethy at the moment Uh um, and Russell Blake. So Russell and I have a joint office, so we give away uh, the first book in my Milton series, and he gives away the first book in his Jet series. And people come into a, to a landing page that I've, I've set up on my site, and it's all automated. They get the books. Uh, they join both of our lists by doing that. And that's, you know, that's proving very popular because they're both you know, good books with loads and loads of reviews between them. It's been, it's been quite prevalent. I saw that offer um, with Russell Blake for the first time a couple of days ago. How long has that been going on? About a week. Okay. All right. So it wasn't like I was uh, in a cave and missed it somewhere. <laughs> so uh, walk us through uh, your thinking on, on a partnership like that. It makes perfect sense to me because I've read your books and I've, I've read a lot of Russell's books and I've read all the Jet series. So there, it seems like the readership would be somewhat common. But how did, how did you guys, did you reach out to him? Did he reach out to you? How would you recommend that other people uh, put together a partnership like this? Yeah, he, he. I mean, he reached out to me in this instance. Although we have kind of we've spoken for for, for a bit before, I and mean, we're kind of at the same kind of level, so um, uh-huh. we, we'll be hanging out in the you know the Amazon charts at around about the same kind of points with his series and, and mine. So it was, and I you know I've read his books too, and I, I enjoyed them, and they were a pretty good fit. But you know, if if, if uh, listeners are looking for the opportunity to, to get into that kind of partnership, then you know, look at the um, books in your also boughts, and you'll get an idea of uh, books that readers are buying. They're buying your books and they're buying books by another author, and then reach out, go to the website, and send them an email. I, I find kind of indie authors generally are very very friendly and yes. and, and, mm-hmm. and very approachable. So, 
it's a, and it's also it's a good it's a good marketing tactic. You can split the costs of the ads if you're going to mm-hmm. be running ads, um, and and you know you can you can market to each other's lists. There's so much cooperative stuff that you can do together. And it, have you come up with some fancy whiz bang way of automating the mm-hmm. uh, distribution of the email addresses into both lists? Um, no. <laughs> okay. All right. The fancy email way is to manually add them or to import them from a spreadsheet or something. No, no, no. It's and they're manually added. So it's a, it's a Mailchimp list. Right. So I set up a new Mailchimp list so mm-hmm. just for for that purpose. So they come into the Dawson and Blake list. Then it's very simple just to export it as a XLS spreadsheet. Um, and you know, I I send that to Russell every week. He can then import it with a couple of clicks into his Mailchimp or Aweber email service account, whatever. And it's good to go. I and mean, it's it takes you know, fifteen seconds, very easy. And this is the kind of thing that you do and have historically done. You you see an idea and you just try it and see what happens. And uh, the things that work, you do more of. The things that don't work, you do less of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's the thing. We, we're in a very fortunate position in that there are so many different ways we can make our books visible these days. Um, some are difficult, some are easy, some are expensive, some aren't expensive. But the, the takeaway is, is just experiment. Um, some will work. And if, if they do, double down. And if they don't work, move on, try something else. Okay, you just released uh, a Milton book. Uh, mm. Milton, you've got a, a thriller series featuring uh, John Milton. You just released a book. Can you sort of walk us through the release process for that, uh, your use of your email list, and the results of that? Yeah, sure. So I've got a really um, detailed launch procedure now. So um, it starts with obviously finish the book, um, send the book to uh, my my copy editor, get those comments back. And then, um, so probably about three weeks away from what I call the soft launch, I send the uh, the file to so a Mobi file, EPUB file, PDF. Send it to the members of my advanced team. So I've got um, these are people from my list who responded to an email and said that they would like to uh, work with me to get they get the books for free. Um, and I don't really say you need to do anything in return, but I make it implicit that anything they can do to help me would be welcomed. And you think about reviews. Um, beta reading all that kind of good stuff so they get it for three weeks Um, they read it they come back they pick up some typos that have slipped through the editorial process Um, they'll fact check for me so you know as as should be reasonably obvious i'm i'm in britain um i've never fired a gun in my life but milton (laughs) fires fires guns all the time so um and one thing i discovered in the early days when i released the first milton book was i made a bit of a stupid mistake with putting a safety on a gun that doesn't have a safety and if you look at the early reviews i got slaughtered by um by you know, readers in the U.S. who, you know, that's quite important to them. Um, and I, I came across looking like an amateur. So some of the guys on my advanced team, a couple are um, Special Forces soldiers. So they will uh, correct stupid mistakes like that for me. So I know that when the book is, when, they, when they're through with it, it's, it's accurate. So that process takes three weeks. I then do what's called a soft launch. And uh, this time it was on a Wednesday night. I put the book up. Uh, the cheapest I could, so 99 cents. And I tell the advanced readers, um, the book is live. If you've got five minutes, I'd be really grateful if you could leave an honest review. Um, and I'd be even more grateful, although I kind of feel slightly embarrassed to ask, that if they could also buy it. And the reason I say that is because there's two reasons. The first one is the review will get what's called the, the verified tag. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, if you don't buy the book, the, re- the review will appear, but it could be, you know, there's no sign that you bought it so it looks better to have that tag that says it's verified that that means that the person has has bought the book therefore has read the book um so there's that and then there's the um 
it's a sale even at that low level will start to interest Amazon's algorithm. So I sold 199 copies at 99 cents on the on that first evening, which was enough to push the book up to around about 2,000 in the overall Amazon rankings. So. After that, um, so I left that, that kind of soft launch period lasted for a day. I then emailed my main list and said the book is out. The price was up now to four ninety nine, and I said that the book is, is live, ready to to be purchased, um, and you know, off you go. And I think by the end of the first day, it got up to one hundred and two overall in the store, which is is the highest um, I've managed so far with with a Milton launch. Um, bit gutted I didn't make the the top hundred, but I'll, I'll, I'll do that next time. <laughs> Um, but the good thing was that those those advanced readers, um, so apart from the fact that 199 of them bought the book, which is incredibly generous given that they already had it anyway, um, I had, I think, 150 reviews, um, fours and fives within the first 12 hours. So when the, the book was ready to be, you know, to be uh, marketed more broadly to the main list, it already had all this amazing social proof from readers who... You know, legitimately really enjoyed reading it and that, that makes a massive difference when you're trying to make a sales page uh, convert at a high level and it just it was it was kind of textbook this time I, I, I was very pleased with how it went and the idea of putting your book out the soft launch and and making the book available for far less than you would want to normally sell it to to a select group of people is something I've heard Joanna Penn talking about uh, you've mm. talked about it others have talked about it, it makes a lot of sense it, it's a way of, of course there are going to be some people who aren't on the list that are going to stumble across it and mm. get a great deal uh, mm-hmm. but it makes a lot of sense to reward the people that have been helpful and it makes it really easy for them to make that 99 cent purchase to get that verified checkbox yeah exactly you've got to think um <clears throat> You can't think short term. So, yeah, sure, I probably left a bit of money on the table, but not a huge amount. Um, but the, the, that's, uh, that's short-term thinking. But what mm-hmm. happened in the medium to long term is the ranking was very strong, uh, which, and, and all those reviews came in. So that, that does a few things. It, it kind of it puts the book in, uh, the, in categories on Amazon that are de- determined by high review scores. So it sits at like number one or number two with you know, Lee Charles' new book, Vince Flynn, all that kind of good stuff. So it's immediately very visible in that kind of that kind of environment. Um, and by by triggering those sales in, in a in a structured fashion, um, Amazon will start to market for you. So it will start to appear in also boughts. Amazon will start to email people who bought the previous book or who bought a book in the same in the same genre and you can kind of see that I've, I've done enough of these launches now where if you plot the graph uh, you can see a couple of spikes which is the soft launch and then a big spike for the hard launch then it will gradually taper and then after about three or four days you can see another spike and I'm pretty sure that's when Amazon starts to get involved and that that spike should where well, it isn't really a spike it's kind of a plateau that that can last for you know three or four weeks and you know, at that point, those those sales that you made at ninety nine cents and you lost a bit of money, that kind of looks like small change because mm-hmm. you're now selling fifty to a hundred bucks a day at four ninety nine. Yeah, you, you, you're making very good money at that point. I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into one thing you said, and and that was the idea of not thinking short term. Um, this is something that you've always done. It, it seems obvious from following your career the overwhelming majority of your thinking is long-term thinking. You, you're, you're willing to sacrifice profits, sales, whatever it may be, um, in the short term to generate audience in the long term. 
Absolutely. Um, so I've probably given away, I should probably sit down and work out how much I've given away, but probably half a million books, something like that, I'd, I'd say over the course of all the campaigns that I run for subscription. Um, and you could say that, well, some of those some of those people would have bought those books, but certainly not half a million of them. But I probably lost a little bit in terms of, of sales. But I will always take a subscriber over, over a sale because... Mm-hmm. I, I survey my my mailing list every year, um, and one of the things, one of the questions that I ask is, how many of my books have you read? Just to try and get an idea of what the read through rate is. And uh, when I did it last year at Christmas, uh, the average was eight. So eight, eight, eight books. So I've you know I've got a lot of books available, but right? Average, but that's that's astonishing. They're they're very sticky books, um, which is is really. Um, it's encouraging, um, but most people, when they start reading the Milton books, they will read all of them. Um, and then I have another series, uh, as, as you know, the Beatrix Rose series, which mm-hmm. is linked to Milton. So they, they'll then go and read the, Mil- the, the Beatrix books. So, yeah, the average is eight. So w- w- when you look at it in that kind of context, that one sale, so say I sold a book at two ninety nine, that that two twenty that I've left on the table, suddenly looks insignificant when compared to the fact that they then went on and bought seven books after that. Uh, so it's just it's it's pretty straightforward when you look at it that way, um, but it is it is something that some indies have to get over because I, I do get a lot of pushback sometimes from people who say what what is your best piece of advice and I'll say look give the first book away it's very powerful and you can kind of understand the reluctance you know it's a book that I've spent a year writing it's I've blood sweat and tears all this kind of stuff but you've got to get out of that mindset and think you know do I want this to be a career because if I if you do want it to be a career then you have to sacrifice a little bit of short-term gain for the you know the long-term yeah, career that you're looking for when did you start surveying your readers because that's that's something that nobody talks about yeah I did it I, I did it last year for, for the first time mm-hmm. um, and had I don't know, I'm going to say 8,000 responses, something like that. Um, and it was really interesting. So all kinds of in- different questions. So asking, you know, where did they find out about me, which means I can then kind of concentrate on the, on the ones that are most prevalent. Um, good question is, what do you think my books are worth? It's not, it's not, what, it's not what would you like to pay for them, because that's a different question and you'll get a different answer. But what, what do you think they're worth? And I kind of the average was five ninety nine to six ninety nine, and and that gave me the confidence to move prices up from two to three ninety nine to four ninety nine to five ninety nine. Um, so I haven't noticed much of a downtick in in sales volume by raising the prices, and obviously I'm making twenty you percent know, more by increasing the prices like that. And it's it's a good idea. Once you get a list, you can you can ask lo- lots of interesting questions and, and get good data that you can act on. Would you mind sharing your list of questions with listeners? No, not at all. Um, can you send it to me, and I'll just post a link to it, or, or post it on your site, and I'll I'll link to that. Yeah, sure. I tell you what would be even better. I, I did a couple of blog posts on, okay. or maybe a series of blog posts on my website, so markjdawson.com, dot mm-hmm. um, which actually had the question and then my analysis of the answers, and that, I think that would oh, be brilliant. quite useful for, for readers to have a look at. Yep, that, brilliant. Thanks. The last book, the last book that was released, um, the mailing list size was roughly what. Twenty-five thousand. Okay, and what was it? Do you remember about a year ago? It seemed like it was Ooh. a few thousand the last time we <laughs> yeah. talked. Um, well, kind of at January two twenty fourteen. I'm going to guess and say about four thousand maximum. Okay, I was thinking maybe three thousand. I could go back and look mm. in the show notes. It's it's there in the show notes, but it was not a huge number. And at that time, uh, you had sliced and diced your list very effectively, and were using mm. it to great effect. So for someone with a list of only at that time only 
a few thousand subscribers, which seems like a huge number, I'm sure, to a lot of listeners. Um, mm. But even at that time, you were launching your books very successfully onto the top of category bestseller lists. Yeah, you don't need a massive list. Uh, I mean, if, if, if authors are clever and they can uh, recruit advanced readers from even small lists, um, so 500, if you can get 10 or 15 advanced readers, that could be 10 or 15 reviews that you get very early on, and that's critical. I mean, I remember... It's not so long ago that I would have, you know, I was desperate to get reviews and I didn't know how to do it. Um, so I was, you know, would check Amazon every day and just kind of pray that there'd be another review. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I contacted bloggers, which is massively time intensive and, and low return. Um, but I didn't know what else to do. And it, it's just a question of perseverance. Um, it's, it's taking advantage of things like mailing lists and, and Facebook and everything and just concentrating on developing relationships with readers, um, turning them into, into fans. And then, you know, do, do things like putting CTAs, calls to action in the back of the book that says, you know, I'd, I'd tell, tell them why it's important for them to leave you a, a review. Because I find that when, when you explain something to people, people tend to be good generally. Um, and if you say that the reason I'd love a review is because it makes, me, it makes it more easier for me to tell other readers about the book that I hope you just enjoyed. Um, and you'd be surprised the number of number of people who've left reviews after reading that kind of CTA. It's just a very simple and free, a free way of increasing reviews. It, it really is. So let's say that um, a year ago when we talked, you had a few thousand people, let's say 3,000 people on your mm-hmm. email list, uh, were a year later, that number has exploded. Now let's talk about how you've allowed that to happen. And, and so we've talked about some of the things you've done. You, you give away free books uh, on your website. You encourage people to sign up uh, when they read your books. You encourage people to leave reviews, those things. But you've been more proactive than just that. You've taken some other steps. So let's talk about some of those things and, and what's working for you now. Uh, the big thing right now is Facebook ads. Um, so that's I, I spend a lot of money on Facebook ads every day, probably about $500 at the moment every day on, on ads. Um, but you don't need to spend that much to, to get the, any kind of result. So I, I taught uh, – one of my first students was a, is a guy called John Logston. Well, let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. You, you've mentioned a course. Um, just let us know the, the background of your course, um, the, the fact – just give us give us some background on this course that you have put together. Yeah, sure. So I, um, a friend of mine is a guy called Nick Stevenson, mm-hmm. who um, we, we, our listeners will probably have heard of. So Nick did a course earlier this year, launched really successfully, and and it kind of got me to thinking that you know I'm I could do that. I, I know a little bit about this game too, so maybe I could I could put something together that would help um, indie writers to develop their career. So I I was going to do something. My initial plan was to do. A kind of an A to Z of all the things you need to know to be a successful self-published author. And as soon as I got into that, um, I'm a pretty laid-back kind of guy. I don't really, I don't usually get stressed. And this was one of the only times in the last couple of years, certainly since I, I left work, that I was really stressed because it's massive. Um, and I didn't, I couldn't wrap my arms around it. So I kind of, I was in a, in a situation where it was either junk the course and go back to writing. Or, or take something from the course and focus specifically on that. And I'd started to, to work with Facebook ads, and they were going really, really well. And it was pretty obvious to me that no one else was teaching writers how to do how to use them properly. Um, so I, I focused 
on that. I spoke to the partners, the guys I'm working with on the course, and we, we focus very, very exclusively on how to use Facebook ads to do two things. First thing was to, to uh, get subscribers to a mailing list, and the second thing is to sell books. And that's, that's what I teach. Okay. Um, All right. So now go ahead with your story. I just wanted to, uh, to get that out there so we didn't have to go back to it. Yeah, sure. So I, I, I taught a couple of um, writers um, to do both of those things. So that I, I taught uh, someone called Seller, who we will talk about later maybe. Who, I showed her how to sell books with Facebook ads, and I, I taught a guy called John Logston, an American author, writes kind of Douglas Adams, um, comic sci-fi, how to use uh, Facebook ads to grow his list. And um, I'd done pretty well with this. Um, I added about 4,000 listeners at a cost of i think between 1500 and $2000 something like that. Mm-hmm. Um John did better than that. I I I'm going to slightly guess at these figures but he started I know he started with 25 and he said most of those were his friends and family and it'd taken him 2 years to build that list. And I completely got that cuz I I remember <laughs> I remember doing Dances of Joy when Mailchimp told me I got a new subscriber. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It was a really big deal. Um, <laughs> so so I was completely with John on that. So I, I took him through what I would do. So giving away free books, optimizing a landing page. So the, the page that the ad delivers uh, the potential new reader to, it's got to be optimized so it does w- what it's supposed to do. Um, so I taught him how to do all that. Um, and he added something like 2,000 um, subscribers in about six weeks at a cost of about $800, something like that. Um, and and since then he's done much much better. He's 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 just blown up his mailing list. He's got several thousand now. He's he's built an advanced team from the list, um, and that that's meant that he's been able to sell his books, uh, get reviews, all the things that you know are, are very difficult sometimes without the benefit of that kind of list. Um, and and some other things we we we've, we've kind of I've I've worked with with John to develop. But he he demonstrated. Very early on, that the it was it was something that could be replicated. And in John in John's case, how many books had he already published? He had a few. I think he had he had certainly more than five. Okay. Um, so he was able to uh, to give a book away. I mean, the, w- one thing I do get asked quite a lot is, I've only so someone says I've only got one book. This won't this won't work for me. But it, it will work because um, if you you can give that book away, provided that you're prepared to play the long game, um, and you know, make that book available for free because you're you're writing your second book and you're going to write your third book. And when you've got the second and third book to release, you'll have a mailing list that you can utilize to to uh, improve the velocity that you can achieve with that launch. Um, so people do sometimes have to get into that kind of mind, that state of mind. And I understand the reluctance, but the the benefits are you know just so powerful. It's it's it, it's short term thinking to do it the other way. Mm-hmm. All right, and. So in your case, you, you expanded your email list exponentially, mm-hmm. and you used – what percentage of that increase do you think would be the, the Facebook advertising campaigns, and what percentage of it do you think would have been organic? Mm, pro- probably um, – I would say probably it's more organic. It's probably 60-40, something like that. Okay. Because I, I do have, I could work this out because I, I've, as we mentioned in the previous episode, I, I segment my lists. So mm-hmm. I've got multiple lists, and the reason for that is that I like to um, know where, I, I, I like to know which book uh, the, the reader has just clicked from to get to the list, so I can then market them the second and third or you know the, the subsequent books, um, or I like to know what source they've come from. So I, I have buckets that you know Facebook or Twitter or. Um, uh, someone's joined up after seeing a, a book bub promo, and you know the, 
that kind of stuff. So I always know where, where people have come from. That just makes my marketing more agile after the fact. Um, so I definitely recommend that. It, so it's probably, I don't know, I'd say it's probably about 60, 40 or 70, 30 organic to, to pay traffic. Okay. And, and you mentioned, uh, in John's case, John spent $800 to get roughly 2,000 subscribers. That's $2.50 per subscriber. I know because I've, I've chatted with you before, you're a very detail-oriented person. You probably have a, a fairly specific sense uh, in terms of the, the lifetime value of an email subscriber. I do. I just, I'm just actually checking those numbers now. So John says from April the 12th to April the 30th, he spent, t- oh no, I was way out, $285 and oh. added 1420 um, then from May May one to May thirty one, I spent eight hundred and four and added three thousand two hundred and ninety nine, bringing him up to four thousand seven hundred and nineteen. Um, he, he spent one hundred thirty six dollars in June and added four hundred ninety two, bringing him up to five thousand two hundred eleven. So, so there you go. I was, I was out on the numbers. I thought that sounded expensive. Um, so to answer the question, yes, I do. I do know how how much they're worth because of the survey that we mentioned previously. I know mm-hmm. what the average read through rate is, um, and you can, with a bit of maths, and it's not my strong suit, but um, I, I can just about get my head around it. I have a figure on the left hand side, which is the cost of acquisition, and a figure on the right hand side, which is the the cost going forwards, and provide the, the benefit going forwards, and provided the you know I'm going to make more. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm going to spend on acquiring the the new reader. Then you know, I'm going to continue to run that campaign, and it's I'm usually well within those parameters. Well, if if we just take this really really simply, and I'm not that great at math either either, and and listeners don't want to hear someone doing math in their head. But you said the <laughs> average reader reads eight books. One of yeah. them is free, so that's seven. Uh, and let's yeah. say that your average price is. $2.99. It's actually more than that, but it's easier to do it that way. So we'll say you, your profit on each book is roughly $2 because it's easy to do the math. So mm-hmm. that's $14. That's the, the $14 uh, revenue that you've already received from them, not counting uh, new books uh, and, and new, yeah. new things that they may purchase. Uh, so it's really easy for you to say, if I can get a new subscriber for even $10, even $13.99. I'm making money on this deal because the long game is going to play out for years. Yeah, that's true in, in principle. There's one uh, one fly in the ointment there. Okay. Not every not every Facebook subscriber will read will read all of those books. If 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 that was the case, then yeah, it's an oh, easy Oh, you're right. That was your that was your email list. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah, so the existing email list. Exactly. So I mean uh, you, you try and work out by looking at things like um, Click rates and things like that. On the, you, you can uh, examine through your uh, your mailing list campaigns. You can kind of work out how clicky the average um, subscriber is and and how likely they are to buy the next one. And if you combine all of that data, including the the, the price that that they you know they're going to pay for books and all that kind of stuff, you you can get to a figure. It's not the profit isn't quite as big as 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 your example, but it's still you know it's still pretty good. And provided, you know, it gives you a benchmark there, provided that your cost of acquisition is below, it's, it tells you that you should continue to invest in, in building your audience that way. A few weeks ago, I had Cheryl Bradshaw on the show, and Cheryl went into some detail about the success that she had had using Facebook ads and some targeting that she'd done, uh, things like that. And I got some feedback from listeners. Uh, Cheryl talked about things that 
that what to you would be extremely basic, what to me was somewhat basic, but what to some listeners was not basic at all. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was complicated. So you're sort of the expert in this field, and that's one of the reasons I was so happy that, that you and I could connect and do this show. So could you just sort of walk us through the process of intelligently setting up a single Facebook ad? Yeah, sure. So Facebook ads are structured in a kind of a three-tier system. So you have the campaign, the ad set, and the ad. Campaign is is just basically the objective that you're trying to achieve. So it might be clicks to a, web, a website, and that website could be Amazon, or it could be your landing page where you're trying to get people to sign up. So that's that's pretty straightforward. Where it gets a little more, bit more complicated is the ad set, and that's where you, you look at targeting and placement and budget. Those are the, the three kind of main uh, areas. Budget's pretty simple. Um, so you could tell Facebook that you're prepared to pay $5 a day for this particular campaign and no more than that. And Facebook will serve the ads until it gets up to that $5 limit and then will stop serving the ads until the next day or until you switch it off or raise the limit, whatever. Targeting, I'll get into targeting in a minute because that, that's just incredible. But placement is you're telling Facebook where you want the ads to appear. So you can put the ads on mobile only. You could put them on desktop only. You could put them on mobile and desktop, and you can serve them uh, on the right-hand side of the of, of your Facebook page. And the, the alternative there is that they come in the newsfeed as sponsored stories, and that's that's where I, I recommend that they go. But the the, the really cool stuff is targeting. So uh, you can. Facebook has so much information on us um, that, mm-hmm. on the one hand, it's quite scary um, that this is basically Skynet and, <laughs> and, um, and you know the machines are going to rule us all. But on on the other hand, it's it's made Facebook makes all that amazing data available to advertisers. So to give you an, an, an example, two, I'll give you two targeting examples that I use that work very very well. The simple way, the kind of entry level targeting, is that you find. Um, Let's say it's an author. So you find an author writing books to which your books are compared. So for me, it would be, let's just say, Vince Flynn. So I can serve ads. I can tell Facebook to serve my ads just to um, readers who have indicated by liking a Vince a Vince Flynn page that they like those kinds of books. So I, I immediately know um, that I'm not going to be wasting my ad spend sending my uh, my thriller ads to people who read romances i'm i'm immediately targeting on someone very very similar to the books that i write so my conversion percentage will be higher so that's that's interest targeting mm-hmm. the other the other way um which is slightly more advanced but really really cool if you you take and this is another good reason to have a mailing list you can take your mailing list from MailChimp, you can export it as an Excel file. You upload it into Facebook and say to Facebook, please create what they call a custom audience from this um, this file. Facebook, let's say you have 100 people on your list. Facebook will look through that and will see how many of those 100 people have a Facebook account. So let's say it's 80. You can then, if you wanted to, you can serve ads to those 80 people on their own. And I do do that sometimes for a book launch. I'll do like a complimentary Facebook campaign that goes alongside my MailChimp, my mailing list campaign, just so that they see the message twice. So that, you know, perhaps they didn't read the email or they didn't get delivered. So I'm making sure I'm I'm covering uh, as much as I can. But the really cool thing is you can then tell Facebook to take those 80 and use them as a basis to create a lookalike audience. So Facebook will look 
at those 80 people and we'll try and work out some things that they have in common. So maybe they have indicated that they like the Kindle or that, they, that, that they're happy to make digital purchases or that they like thrillers or that they like certain authors. And it will put together a new audience, um, which you can then advertise to. And the, the best thing about that is your audience of 80 can become an audience of two or three million. Um, and you can then advertise your, your ads directly to those people who Facebook thinks are like the ones on your list. And I do that, you know, I, I, I generate positive returns on that every single day. Um, I don't lose money on Facebook ads. I, I always make money, almost always make money. That's fascinating. And it's, you mentioned the, the Skynet thing and <laughs> that, 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 that is Skynet stuff. That's, you as a as an independently published author being able to use big data to create mm. a, a targeted advertising that's that's powerful stuff how do you actually do that at, at what part in the process do you tell facebook this is what i want to do and you know what do you click to do that yeah you, i mean it, people think facebook advertising is using the boost button yes, never use, yeah. never use the boost button it's it's really um, unsophisticated it's a bit I, I think it's a waste of money um it's what you need to do is you need to have um chrome running as your browser so get google chrome mm-hmm. um and then you go into your facebook account go into the ads manager so it should be on the left hand side could right. be in your favorites but it'll be on your left hand taskbar mm-hmm. um and then go into that and download what they call the power editor so that is an uh, offline editor. So you, you download your information from the Facebook Live account, and then you can use, then you edit that information. You create your ads, your targeting, your placement, all that stuff at your leisure, um, and then you upload it again, and the ads will start to be served, provided, provided the ads are approved, and you know they're, they're, it's pretty easy to avoid the problems with that, um, and the ads will start to be served. That, that's. It's it's complicated to look at. It's much easier to go. I'll just boost it because that's one button mm-hmm. click. Um, but that doesn't work. Um, you need to you need to invest a bit of time and 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 look at the power editor to get the most out of it. Okay, for for the author out there who's got five books and they spend all of their time writing, uh, mm. and and you know maybe they're focused on their email list and their eyes just glazed over when you <laughs> talked about downloading an application mm. and and doing this. How? How how does that author? How hard is this for for someone who's not technical, who's never done an ad before? Uh, what's what's the learning curve for this? But I'm not technical. Okay, I, it might you know it might surprise you, might not believe me, but I'm not technical. I, I don't do any of my website stuff. I wouldn't know how to create a website page if if I, my life depended on it. I, I outsource all that. Um, so I have a base level of general ignorance, but I'm just very tenacious. Um, and if if I see something that I know will work or I think it could work I'm prepared to work really hard to understand it and and I'll experiment I've you know I've spent a bit of money to, to make these things work so I've probably wasted quite a lot of money or, or certainly expended money on things that didn't work but at least I've learned something from those negative experiences and it's left me in a position where I, I do know how to do this now I'm, I am I probably am an expert in Facebook advertising mm-hmm. in, in this particular field um, but if people are worried about this you know I, I have one of the obviously, I've got a paid course, so you have to. That's the elephant in the room. So, if you want to get into the real detail on paid sales and all that kind of stuff, then there it is a paid course because mm-hmm. I've spent hours and hours and hours putting this together. But I also I give away three videos of like an hour in length, which will teach you and holding nothing back. It's not one of these, um, you know, watch three videos and then the most important piece of information is oh, you have to pay for this. And, and let me let me jump in here, Mark, because I've talked to a lot of people that have taken your free course and have gotten tremendous value from it. 
So let me Thank just you. toss that out there. Yeah, cool. I mean, J- John Logston, the guy we mentioned, he he looked at the free course, and that that was what he used to accelerate his mailing list. So it's it's all there. It's all actionable. You could you could start from a, from pretty much a position of ignorance, which is where I was. And by the end of the hour of those those three videos, you'll be in a position where you understand how Facebook ads are composed. Uh, you understand how to target them, how to serve them. You'll understand about the budget, and I'll give you some tips about copy that works, images that work, all, all this kind of stuff. And you can you can then start, even at a low level of two or three bucks a day, you can start getting people onto your mailing list. And, you know, it's it, it does work. It's nothing is held back on that on that front. Okay. Now let me let me stop you here. You mentioned the elephant in the room, the paid course. We'll get to, we'll get to the paid course. Uh, in in my mind there's another elephant in the room and that the other <laughs> element in the room elephant <laughs> the other <laughs> elephant in the room is that you have produced this great free course. Thousands of authors have taken this great free mm. course. What happens when everyone starts doing the same thing? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good question. But the, the simple answer to that is there's 1.5 billion people on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We aren't going to be exhausting that audience anytime soon. Um, you know, you, you could say, look at advertising through the ages. I mean, people probably said when the first TV ads came out, well, those are going to lose their effectiveness um, when everyone starts to do it. Advertising is a is a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, I'm not worried about that at all. Um, and, and, you know, to be honest, Facebook may change. Facebook is really, really hot right now. It's, it is super hot. Um, not many people are doing it. Um, the traditional publishers have tried it. They typically get it wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen their ads in my newsfeed and kind of it's facepalm stuff because they get all kinds of elementary things wrong. And so I know those ads won't work. But, you know, may, maybe in a year's time, it's different. Maybe Facebook's algorithm doesn't work quite as well as it does at the moment. And, and, and you know, something else comes along. Well, we're looking, the team I work with on this course and, and me, we're looking at Twitter at the moment. That's the next platform that we're looking to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're finding that's quite powerful. Instagram is just has just opened its advertising program. Um, that's getting really good results. Pinterest, there's, you know, there'll, be some, there'll always be something else. Um, but, you know, right now, um, and I should think for the next... I don't think this is going to be any different for the next 12 to 18 months. Facebook is, is you know, kind of hyperbole alert coming up. Um, it's the most powerful um, advertising platform on the planet right now. I'm completely convinced about that. And the idea of online education, it's... It's intoxicating that we can sit in front of our computer, we can watch, we can watch these free videos from you, we can learn things, uh, we can pay you, we can learn even more. I took a course from Seth Godin on Udemy not that long ago, and I, I got a lot of benefit from the course, learned a lot from the, that particular course, and I heard an interview with him, and his course was the most popular course across the entire Udemy platform. Udemy mm. is, is a, an online teaching platform. And only 7% of the people that started the course finished the course. Wow. So there's something to be said for taking these courses, going all the way through them, and actually implementing things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, this is, is true across time. There have been books written, you know, for 2,000 years, how to do things. <laughs> and uh, you can read the books and apply the knowledge that you've learned, or you can read the books and go, eh, you know, that looks yeah. too hard. And yeah. so a- another answer to the question of what happens when everyone is doing this is even if everyone took the course, if 
only 90, if, if only 10% of the people implemented it, you're in a pretty small group, pretty small subgroup. I don't, I don't know what kind of uh, statistics you've seen in your course, and I'm not going to ask you that question. But in general, uh, online courses, people start them in a flurry of excitement and oftentimes mm-hmm. don't finish them because they catch on to something, some nugget that they've learned and then they want to implement it, and they're often running with that and many times don't get back to get the rest of the information. Yeah, that does happen. We, we have stats on, on, on uh, completion rate on the course, and it's pretty good. Um, I think sometimes when, when courses are free or very cheap, the, the, um, it's tempting. It's easy just to go, I didn't spend, I spent $15 on that course. It doesn't really matter if I don't finish it. Right. So, you know, whilst isn't a $15 course, uh, it is a bit more expensive. And in some ways, that's good because it, 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 people are more likely to take action. They're likely to, to, to view the content. They're more likely to be active in the Facebook, the secret Facebook group that we've, which is just amazing, um, with authors talking, teaching me things sometimes about, um, because we basically we, we are it's, we, we're kind of crowdsourcing tactics that work on Facebook. So, you know, I've learned some really cool stuff from people in the group. So it's kind of a two-way process, which is amazing. Um, so I think most of my students, you know, do do get into it, but it's a small, it's tiny. You know, we had four hundred and fifty students last time, mm-hmm. um, and as, as I said, there's one point five billion people on Facebook. We we, we aren't gonna we, we're not gonna be in danger of um, flooding right. within indie authors. Uh, the course is currently closed, but you're going to be reopening it. When? 23rd of October. Okay. And this episode is going to go about a month before that. So what's, what's the best first action for people to take who might be interested in taking the course after they listen to this show, you know, the, the week of September 21st? Okay, so I would recommend go go to selfpublishingformula.com. Uh, that's that's the, the kind of the front page and, and sign up for the mailing list and that you'll get the, the, the free videos. Uh, you'll get um, swipe copy, so kind of... Um, onboarding text as, as people come onto your list so you can you know use my copy if you want or use that as a basis amend it and do something for yourself um, at the moment I'm doing weekly income reports so I will uh, I'm completely transparent about how much I'm spending on ads how much I'm making and also you know ads that are working and ads that aren't working um, with, with kind of tips as I go along and I'm, I've got an email series um, on things like how to write compelling copy, um, which images convert, how to do a video ad, um, advertising theory, all, all that kind of stuff. But it's all focused. I am an author. That, that's the thing that makes this course different from one that you could do with Amy Porterfield or, or Rick Mulready, who do very good Facebook general courses. And I recommend them, but I, I am an author. So everything is focused on, um, on, on problems that I had and solving the problems that I had, getting readers or selling books. And the other thing, and, and this is essentially what you've said, I'm just restating it a bit. You have used these techniques to sell more books and you're making, at least according to Forbes, a whole lot of money selling <laughs> books. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. And I, I, um, I mean, I've got one ad at the moment, which I debuted yesterday. So I've been kind of, I always experiment. If ads stop working, I kill them and replace them with another one. And I've just started advertising this and it's in the, it's in the most recent income report. And I'm going to talk about it tomorrow as well. But it's, um, I spent, so $10, right? Low budget to start with when I'm experimenting and it made 67. So that's about 550% return on investment. Hmm. And that's, ex- that's exceptional. It's not normally as high as that. And as you scale it up, I suspect it won't be, it won't be returning that all the way up as I spend more money. 
Um, but on average, I, I make between 40 and 50% return every day on ads and, and some sets like that one and ones that are similar to it are, are over 100% at the moment. Okay. One of the questions that I didn't ask Cheryl when she was on, she's, she does a great job of tracking these things. I think I understand how they're tracked, uh, but I'm not sure I'm right. So how do you actually track an ad through to a book sale? Because I know yeah, Facebook that, doesn't mm. want you to use affiliate links. It's not Facebook. They don't care. Amazon, okay. Amazon don't like you doing that. Okay. Um, so the best way to do it is you do use affiliate links, um, but the, the, the kind of the process is Facebook ad landing page that, the, on your site that you control. Okay. Um, and then the link from that, you can either do an automatic redirect using, mm -hmm. a, a, using a link, an affiliate link, or you could have, say, clickable, like a book cover with all the stores that you're, that you're selling that book on, and that's where the affiliate link sits. And so okay. In order to monitor, um, you, you have it's quite simple. It takes me 20 minutes a day to do all of my ads. You get things like the, the number of clicks from Facebook, the amount that you've spent. You can work out how much each click cost costed. And then you go to Amazon and, and work out. Um, so if you've got one ad, it has its own affiliate tracking link, and then the next ad has, its, has a separate link. So you can attribute sales directly to the ad that sent it in, and then you can work out precisely what the return is. Mark, this has been fun, and you've been very generous with, uh, with your information. So, uh, again, what's the, what's the URL for people to go to sign up to get on the list for the course when it reopens in October? It is uh, selfpublishingformula.com. Okay, and I will link to that as well as your website in the show notes. For those people out there listening who have questions that I didn't answer, I apologize again for not asking the right <laughs> questions. If you have those questions, leave them as a comment. Uh, below the show notes at theauthorbiz.com, and I will badger Mark to go in and answer those <laughs> questions, and I'm sure he will. I will. So uh, uh, thanks again for your time, and thank you so much for listening. It's a pleasure.